Welcome to Athletes to Entrepreneurs, the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct. We've created a platform where athletes and other alumni could interact, network, connect, uh, and, and just be part of that affinity group. And we've created this show to teach and inspire athletes that there is life after sports. And there's major issues today where athletes, whether it's mental health, whether it's financial literacy, a lot of things go along with that. And so we interview great guests uh, that have been either collegiate athletes or professional athletes in their round and just understanding their journey and how they can help others. And today we're really excited to have Ross Hamilton. How are you doing, Ross? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited to be on the show. Well, that's great. Well, thank you for coming in. And this is a little bit of a different spin. We've been talking offline. So Ross uh, was a professional BMX freestylers. So it's kind of like at one point, Ross, we did have a professional windsurfer. So kind of fits in a little bit of the same category, I guess the adventure category, so to speak. Uh, so he did that. And then unfortunately, uh, injury took that away. And he'll get a little bit into that as we talk. And then he started getting into real estate and ultimately uh, got that entrepreneurship bug and just created uh, between real estate and tech kind of brought them together and, and created a, a successful online community. And today he's in the big time into the philanthropic world. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Ross, tell me a little bit about growing up playing sports and how that shaped you um, into, you know, your high school, college years. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think in high school, it really defines you. And, you know, now that I have, I have kids, I'm really excited to find a sport that she's passionate about because it lets you, um, it helps keep you out of trouble, gives you something to do. And, you know, it's mind, body, and soul, right? Having that physical outlet in life is really important. You can't just be there staring down at your phone all the time. You have to get your body moving. And sports, when you have the right mentality, uh, creates healthy uh, competition, which ties in very well with business. Uh, you have to be able to cooperate, be part of a team, uh, I think it really gets you set up to be a successful entrepreneur if you take your mentality in the sports, if it, you know, for whatever sport you have, and move that uh, move that into business. Um, my specific sport, being BMX, there was a lot of risk associated with showing up. I mean, every sport has a lot of risk, but when people watch, you know, someone hit a hit a ramp and go thirty feet in the air and do a backflip, it just you know, every jump, you could just mess up. Um, not too long ago, I fell because of the way I was breathing. Like there's all sorts of ways to fall. So learning how to deal with risk um, ties in well with being an entrepreneur and also the group of people that you uh, are riding with uh, as a BMX rider. They're, they're your friends, they push you along, but then you also uh, compete with them when it becomes, you know, when the clock starts. So it creates a little mastermind group, a close-knit group of people that are all pushing each other and it's co-opetition uh, in a lot of ways. So, you know, sports BMX has definitely defined me. It's what, it's what drove me, you know, to be honest, um, all I wanted to do is be able to ride my bike every day, no matter what. And now that I've, I've sold my company and retired for several generations, um, I ride my bike every day, uh, it's raining today. I'll wait for it to dry out and I'll, I'll get a few miles in here or there. And, um, I still love to fly. You know, my wife <laughs> is like, when are you going to stop? You just turned 41. You know, when are you going to stop riding? I'm like, man, I just, I love being in the air and, uh, and flying. So anyway, 
I don't know if I answered your question, but uh, maybe, you, you did. Maybe there's, there's, there. there was a lot there. I mean, I, I, you know, yeah. What, what's interesting to me is is I, I was a runner in high school and college, and uh, not to the status that you were as an. I wasn't an elite runner, but just at hearing you say that, I think running is similar to where um, it is a team sport. However, you're also running individually, so you develop that camaraderie, which is something I did, you know, through my high school and college days. Just you know, building that rapport with your teammates and having, you know, to your point, like kind of a mastermind group. So kind of interesting uh, putting those two together. Uh, so um, let's talk about um, your journey as a BMX freestylist and maybe share a little bit about the trajectory and then um, kind of getting it taken away from you. And then we'll get into, you know, some of the other areas related to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say that I, I have completed several Ironman triathlons as well not in any like professional level, but I love, uh, sports outside of BMX and, you know, where it really tied together for me there was whenever I was running those triathlons, I would always just try to get to the next telephone pole. It wasn't the 26 miles. It was the next telephone pole. So I took that same mentality in business and a lot of people, um, cause I got into real estate. They think they have to know everything before they start, but you really just need to know the next thing. Right. I used right. to get to that next telephone pole and then you want to keep the momentum going. Right. You don't want to um, you don't want to stop the momentum. But as far as my um, my BMX career, I started riding BMX and got really fortunate because uh, Dave Mira, who was the Michael Jordan of BMX, moved to my town when I was about 14 years old. Um, I helped him build his skate park that he lived at. Because BMX, I mean, you don't make any money really in that sport. Uh, so he lived at the skate park, helped him build it with other other friends, um, worked there as well. So all the top pros in the world were all coming through our town. So because I was just around those people, I got really good really fast. I got access to things that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. But really what it did is it made the impossible possible. I'll never forget the time we were, we had just put the plywood on the box jump and Dave Mira is like, I'm going to touch my wheel to the ceiling and do a backflip. And I'm like, what? And by the end of the night, the ceiling was just filled with tire marks. I thought that would have stopped the rotation, right? And he would have fallen on his head. So I was able to get really good, really fast because of the, um, the mental, the effort, obviously, um, but also just the belief that I could do it. I would see some of the best things happen um, in BMX. And I got really good, really fast. And I translated that into business. I always made sure to be around people that were, you know, doing backflips and touching the ceiling in, in entrepreneurship. And I was able to find some mentors at a young age and shadow them. And it really helped with my career. So what I love about this, this podcast and show and how you're doing it is, is how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, you're not going to be a sloppy athlete and then all of a sudden you're this tight knit business person, right? Like right. how you go about your training is probably the same way you're going to go about your, um, your business. So it all kind of ties together, uh, with, with your habits. And that's really what makes the, uh, what makes the difference. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, um, 
it, you know, and, and we'll get to that in, in a couple of minutes, just about that whole skill set, which you kind of alluded to now, you're right. I mean, just kind of parlaying that into anything you do, you're right. I mean, if you, if you give it half an effort, it's not going anywhere. It's like giving that full tilt effort, which most athletes are, you know, willing to do. I mean, there are lazy ones, but for the most part, they're, they're willing to do. So um, when you, um, you were kind of the top of your game, I guess, um, in your uh, like what late teens, early, early twenties with, with BMX. Yeah. Yeah. From 14 to, to 17, 18, I was on a nice trajectory, you know, placing top three in contests. And, you know, I thought, Hey, I'm going to keep doing this. This is, this is, this is who I am. My whole identity was tied in with, uh, with BMX. And I had dreams to go on to the X games and the people I was riding with are, went to the X games. Now I, uh, when I watch the X games, I personally know the people that are announcing the X games. Cause I used to, I used to ride with them. So, yeah, I mean, I was, um, I'm either all or nothing in everything I do. I mean, back then, if you didn't ride BMX, we didn't really have much to talk about because I was trying to get back to, you know, to the skate park. Um, so yeah, I was on a nice trajectory, had everything going for me. And then just took one of those falls that, you know, takes over a year and a half to, uh, to recover from all the way. And it was just at such a pivotal time. Um, I was just never able to, uh, to build it back up. Yeah. And, and that's gotta be tough because you're here. It's like every day you're out there, you're loving it. And then all of a sudden it's kind of taken away. I mean, I guess it, from a transition standpoint, I mean, it, you, you hit on it, you were kind of like Ross, the BMX guy. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're not doing that. So like, how did you approach that? Like, was it something right away or, or it took a little time to kind of start doing that? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good question. Essentially, uh, Dave Mira. And at the same time, when I fell, Dave and Ryan and everyone moved away from Wilmington. So the whole scene evaporated. So now here I am, I'm recovered. There's no one in the town anymore. A lot of my best friends had moved and I would still go to the skate park and I was, I was riding two or three levels below where I was. Um, so the transition was a little quicker than I would have liked it to be. If the scene had stayed in town, I probably would have, uh, would have given it another shot, but I was, I was at that age where I'm like, Hey, it's, it's time to figure out what to do with life. Right. The BMX thing. Awesome. Got to travel around the country in a Volkswagen van. I had a BMX clothing company. I even sponsored kids. Uh, well, kids, they were my age. So we traveled all around the country, went to contests and it, you know, it was part of my DNA, but then it's, you kind of look around, you're like, all right, I'm about, I'm 18, 19 now. I need, I need a plan. I didn't have a plan. So I had to figure out what's the, what's going to give me the highest likelihood to be as successful as possible. Cause I want to make a lot of money. I want it to be passive. I want to make sure I have a retirement. Um, and that, and that's when I found real estate. Real estate makes more millionaires than any other industry. A lot of people accidentally become millionaires through through real estate. So I wasn't the smartest, um, but I wasn't scared to to give it a shot. Um, you know, I had done flips on a bike, so let me try to flip a house, right? How how hard could it be? And I started to um, you know to invest in real estate because it was the best option for people with limited um, options. I didn't come from money. I didn't do very well in school. It really couldn't keep my attention. So I liked real estate because it was great for a, for a scatterbrain with a lot of drive. 
Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously you had a lot of success out, so that, that that worked out well for you. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, a big part of what we do, uh, is, it's all about networking, connecting. And yes. uh, in the business world, uh, really in any any facet of life, I mean, you know, networking, connecting, come to play. So talk talk about the importance of that and uh, maybe give some advice to, uh, to our listeners and, and viewers out there. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I just got the chills a little bit because I was just thinking about this, this one moment that had to do with networking that, that kind of changed my whole life. Um, at a very young age in real estate, I realized that the more people you were connected with, the more money you were able to make. So I was out there flipping houses. I managed to acquire around 50 houses by the time I was like 23, 24. So I had done pretty good in a relatively short period of time. And there was um, this elite group of real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and trainers. I mean, they were just light years ahead of me, right? They were the Dave Miras of my of my industry. And I heard about them from my girlfriend's, now wife's, best friend's dad. He said, I'm going to this, this meeting in Florida. He explained who was going to be there. I said, can I come? He said, no. I said, oh, when is it? He told me. So about three weeks goes by. I got his phone number and I'm calling this guy like crazy. He's not answering the phone. He finally answers the phone. His name was Paul. I said, Paul, I'm in Florida. Where is this meeting? He said, Ross, I told you, you can't come. You have to be invited in. I'm like, I drove all the way from North Carolina to Florida without knowing exactly where I was going other than it was Florida. He told me the address and I went to the meeting and figured out a way to, to be part of it. You know, uh, And through that meeting, I met literally every connection that that helped me build and sell, you know, a tech company to a Fortune 100 company, and it was, uh, you know, I didn't have an alumni, right? I didn't go to. I went to Cape Fear Community College, right? I got a two-year degree and was going to transfer, but I already owned a lot of real estate and I, I had a plan, so I never, I never transferred. But I didn't have a connection in the other industries, so that kind of became my alumni group. So. I would say literally it's probably the most important thing. Um, the company I built, Connected Investors, was essentially like the LinkedIn for real estate investors. I was part of several mastermind groups. So networking was key to my success. I was known as like the most connected investor in the space. Um, yeah, so I, I, I couldn't advocate it more and it is such a critical part to everything. Now that I'm... Um, working in charities, I'm doing the same type of thing there. How you do anything is how you do everything. I have to find the top people and figure out a way to provide value to them um, so I can you know, grow through the osmosis of being around someone that's doing what you want to do. Yeah, and I think you hit it there is, is giving value back. Because I think a lot of people, they don't look at networking. I mean, networking, it's important. I, I always kind of take the approach of like, what can I do to help you? And, you know, you, you hope it comes back your way, but if you, if you kind of have that, in a sense, almost like that servant mentality, I think it can go a long way. So, um, you know, one of the things with athletes um, and, you know, whether it's college or professional, um, a lot of times they just, they're in the moment of their sport and especially the, the, the more elite people. And so I've talked to some agents um, and they talk about the best time to network and connect is when you're still active in your sport. I mean, do you see that I mean, um, as a, a good uh, method to look at? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because 
when you're active in your sport, you're at all of the things. <laughs> it's so much easier to do it then uh, than to figure it out when you're when you're not active. So, you know, building that network of people while the network of people are around you is is key. Plus, you have some influence, and you can do certain things when you're when you're in that in that moment. You know, um, you know, and just just a quick little tip. A lot of times whenever people would kind of give me some advice or mentor me, the worst thing you can do is when someone gives you advice is to not take the advice and apply the advice. So someone would give me an idea and then I'd reach out to them and I'd say, hey, thank you so much for that. I did that. I got a great result. I really appreciate it. And then they kind of, that's like a dopamine release for them. Then they want to help you some more. Um, so whenever I'm helping people, that's kind of the phase of my life I'm in now. Um, I love the people that that take take a nugget and then they they do it and they tell me they had success and um, that was what I did for my mentors um, was I just gave them feedback and it it seemed to work because sometimes you don't have a lot to give when you first start right other than making other connections and just understanding uh, you know the full circle yeah I mean that, that's phenomenal advice I mean I really I kind of live by that too I mean I think like you said when you're younger there's people mentoring you. And so like, you know, I'm at the point in my life too, where there's been people that have mentored me and now I want to give back and mentor others. And, and it's that, um, you're right. Even in the beginning, you still might have something to offer. You just never know. I always tell people, it's not necessarily who, you know, but it could be who they know as well, because you might just be like, okay, well, you know, so-and-so does this, so they really can't help me or help my friend. But then when you think about, it, you don't know what the extension is to the, to their network of people. Uh, so that that's something that's critical. And, uh, you talked about, um, you know, let, let's go back to kind of like the athlete skill set um, and athlete mindset. I, Based on your success, real estate's a good way to go. So talk a little bit about that to, you know, as we have athletes going and they need to figure out what's next in life, maybe give them some advice on that, like yeah. maybe the real estate space and in general, utilizing those skills. Yeah, you know, absolutely. What's What's great about an athlete is their goals are so well-defined right? When you're an athlete, you know, like exactly what you're going for. So you know what to say yes to, you know what to say no to. And a lot of times when you try to transition into business, um, if the goals get vague, the timelines get vague. Um, so having those very clear, precise goals that you're looking at, re, uh, reviewing, adjusting to, um, is really you know, is really key and important. Now, real estate in general, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete, if you're broke, if you're rich, if you're, you know, upper middle class, having a real estate portfolio is, provides a light at the end of the tunnel. And I always wanted to put my time into something to where I could work really hard and one day I'd be able to just retire. I mean, having 10 houses paid off is not that hard to do, but when you're in the you know twilight years of your life, they are like taking care of you better than like that is just that's your retirement. It is uh, it's not going to drop in the same way that the stock market is. Um, so real estate is an important part of life, I believe, just for anyone who's thinking about about finances. Now, people ask me all the time because I have access, my old network, we had access to all the data. We could see around corners in real estate. And 
they would always ask, hey, is now a good time to buy real estate? And the answer I've always given is it's never a good time to buy if you're paying retail. If you can buy below market value, it's always a good time to buy. Um, so that's what our company did is it helped people learn how to find off-market properties they can buy at a, at a discount. Um, so I don't have to time the market. I just always buy below market or I structure things to where it's um, it's a win-win. And it takes a little bit to learn that, but it's it doesn't take that long. I mean, real estate's relatively simple. Um, so it should be something that you're thinking of. If you own a house, you are a real estate investor. If you paid too much, you're just not a very good real estate investor. Yeah. So it's not something to, to get anxiety over, like I have to get all these houses, but just get another house every few years figure it out, then start to build on it. Um, because real estate investing is what gave me the financial freedom to start a tech company, right? And now I, after selling that tech company, I've put the money back into, back into real estate. So I use my real estate profits to start my tech company, my tech company sales to kind of fuel my real estate. You know, last, you know, in the last 12 months, I bought almost 200 uh, properties just using different techniques all around the country. And it's, uh, it's working out for me. So don't, um, even with interest rates high, I mean, there's, there's ways, there's ways to win there. So anyway, that's my, uh, I've been shouting from the rooftops for a long time about real estate and the people that, that listened to me a year or two ago, they are wealthier today. You could have bought any real estate three years ago and just went to sleep every night, trained, woke up and you're worth a hundred, $200,000 more. People that didn't do that, they got a pay cut in life because now real estate is more expensive and interest rates are higher. So anyway, it's it's the, the time is always is always right now. Yeah, no, that's and, and you're right, the, the way the market's been. I mean, a, a lot of us that it, it's also to the people that do have you know, some of the properties that have gone up skyrocket being like, okay, well, even if I sell them, where do I go next? You know, like if if you're like staying in the same area, that I'm sure that's always a challenge too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there are ways to to buy properties creatively. You don't need a lot of money. My one thing we skipped about my my life journey is after BMX, before real estate, there was kind of a dark period there um, to where I didn't know what I was doing. I had to, uh, you know, make sure not to get addicted to any of the pain medication that I was on for the first time in my life. Uh, kind of all my friends left. And I took the first job I could. And my job was actually a dumpster diver. That's not even a joke. I would drive from dumpster to dumpster with a box truck that was so old, I had to hotwire it to drive it. And I would pick out the scrap pad, which goes underneath the carpet, which is where everything sits, and then bring it back to a warehouse, bail it up in a baler with no safety equipment. I literally had to keep my hand in the baler until it almost touched my hand and pull it out to keep it in the baler. And then stack it with a forklift that had no brakes. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a pretty tough, tough time for me for you know for a few years, and uh, you know that's when I found that's when I found real estate. But I think you know inside my chest, I just knew that I was destined for more, and that was a temporary thing. But it, it could have lasted a lot longer if I didn't get into real estate. And real estate excited me. You know, it was exciting. I mean, one deal could make me more than I was making all year. And it doesn't take more than like 10 hours of actual work. 
So it doesn't take more than one deal to like to level you up um, a little bit. And if if there's any athletes that are watching this that are young, um, and I, I presume a lot are, when I was really young, one of the best things I did was um, I found the most successful people in my town. I sat, I figured out a way to sit down with them, and I asked them just one question: What would you do if you were my age, knowing everything you know? And I got the same answer from two different people. They said I would travel and I would buy real estate. And that's what I did. I was doing the four hour work week in real estate, you know, a long, long, when I was in my early twenties, I'm 41 now. So 20 years ago. Um, so if, if you are, you know, in your twenties, it's the best time ever to buy real estate, even if you overpay, because it's going to correct itself one way or, um, time, time is on your side. You have the compounded interest, uh, happening there. So Anyway, it's like starting a sport when you're five right. versus starting a sport when you're 25. You know, if you start investing in real estate in your 20s, you're almost guaranteed to be able to retire in your 40s. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it's, it's great to look at it. And uh, I mean, you're right. A lot of these athletes are young and they still have many years, you know, because that's a big challenge is that, you know, whether it's ending in college or even if they do play professionally, most of them are still young. They're They're in their 20s and uh, they got a lot of life ahead of them. So it's, it's, a, I think they should definitely uh, obviously look into real estate and uh, you know, thank you for sharing, you know, that transition story. Cause that's kind of what's important. I mean, we talk about on each, everyone has some type of transition, whether, you know, some are fortunate, maybe if they weren't as high up as an athlete, maybe they, they might have that mindset already. Like, Hey, I, I need to find other things and, and, and look at it that way. So when they were done, they had, you know, they had that, but I'm I'm glad you shared that. And you kind of touched a little bit on, and, and this is a, a big issue with athletes transitioning out of sports is mental health. Maybe talk a little bit about that because you, you talked, you kind of alluded to it while you were just giving your story there, but um, maybe some things that athletes can look at to maybe get out of that if they are facing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's actually the, uh, the end to the, to the Dave Mira story. I mean, he had, uh, he wound up committing suicide. Um, he went from top in BMX, like most X games, gold medals. He was rally car racing, doing good there, even boxing. And, uh, he just, he suffered from what a lot of football players suffer from. Um, and you know, being, being an athlete, you have a lot of mental toughness is, is really, really important. And that it can get exhausting and you can kind of go the other way. Um, and that's where just that community of people around you. Um, I mean, I don't have any expertise necessarily in that area. I just, like I mentioned earlier, I want my daughter to find sports early so she can keep her mind busy. As soon as I found real estate, I was just, I was just all in on that. I, I kind of got addicted to house flipping. I mean, every deal was like this, was this awesome, you know, rush of, opportunity and wealth and and stuff like that. So I, I just have to switch out your passion as, as quick as possible and make sure you have a good network of, you know, of people around you. I mean, I got competitive. I went be, I went from being competitive in BMX to being competitive in real estate, to being competitive in tech. But when I look back, my, my competitors like were the biggest blessings in my life. Like they pulled so much more out of me. Um, and if you go from having competitors in your uh, 
you know, in your sport to no competitors. It's, I don't know, there's, there's a really cool relationship there between, um, people that you compete with and just your ability to, to become all that you can be. Yeah. You're, I mean, just talking, you're you know, listening to what you're saying too, just w- with the, you're right. I think you've got the, you're, you're so zoned in on your sport and now you find something else to zone in. And I guess the biggest thing that, that we encourage and, you know, we're trying to do different things. Like, um, you know, one of the things we're looking at going into schools and, uh, you know, tapping into the athletic department to develop curriculum to help these athletes, whether they're current athletes or alumni athletes, but address some of these issues, uh, the financial literacy, the mental health, all these other things, but from a mental health perspective, or just, I think in general, everything, you just, people need to know there's communities out there and there's people willing to help. And I guess, you know, hearing sad stories like your friend there, and, and there's many stories like that that you're hearing today in sports and Olympic athletes and all that is just, hopefully we can encourage people to reach out and get the help that they need. And I think if we, if we could do that, we can make such a positive impact, you know, across so many different people. I mean, there's, you know, we talk about mental health and there's so many, there's, there's only so much to go around of like people that are say clinically approved of, you know, doctors and all that, but there's a lot more people that need help. So yeah, definitely reach out to your communities uh, like Ross mentioned to, to get that. So let's talk now about um, you, you know, you went through real estate, um, and then you you ultimately turn to tech. Give us that quick little window of, you know, what made you start your company and, and get into that tech space? Yeah. And, you know, really it was networking. Um, like I said, the more people I was connected with, the more money I was able to make in real estate. And also it, it made real estate investing safer when I had a network of people. Because like I mentioned earlier, running to that that next telephone pole, I got to that next telephone pole and I couldn't figure out why to figure out what to do. So I was always figuring out what to do. And I loved just to copy from other people's playbooks because, you know, there's very few things that are new, just, just in business, real estate investing has got to be the oldest one, you know, second oldest profession out there. Right. So there's plenty of people that have, um, that have done that. So I, I understood the value of a network at a young age and real estate by design is a very network oriented uh you know industry there was no um specific social network for it i was playing around with myspace because i wasn't uh in a good enough school to get into facebook and myspace was distracting um so i said you know what social media back then was in the infancy so i said i can build a version of this just for real estate and I started to to build it up. Now, in the beginning, to have a network, you have to have people there. There weren't a lot of people there, right? So I had like 80 different accounts and I was talking to myself to make it look like things were happening. And I was just constantly, you know, I was doing customer service and sales and working with tech. So um, I was doing a little bit of everything. And then through through the website, through networking, I met an individual who had a lot of influence in the space before they were influencers. Um, and he loved what I was doing and he promoted it to his, his email list. And we had 20 or 30,000 people sign up in a relatively short period of time. And that, that got us off the ground, um, to get up, to get up and running and, uh, become a, become a real company. Now, uh, the trajectory, um, wasn't all straight up. I mean, there was in, uh, 2010, I had, uh, 
I was about a week away from having to, you know, close the company, um, which I, I can go into that as well. But anyway, yeah. So I transitioned into real estate specific, uh, into connectedinvestors.com specifically, uh, for networking and everyone needed it. So a lot of people started to join. Yeah, that's, it's great. And then you face all those challenges. I mean, obviously like, you know, we, we face some of that as well with, with alumni direct, but, um, so people started going, this community built us a very successful, how many, how many years, um, were you doing this before ultimately you ended up selling like as far as building the company? And yeah. Where it went? I bought the domain name in 2005, probably opened it up in 2007 and, um, sold it, uh, two years ago. So it was, you know, it was a good run. It was a, yeah, it was a real run. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't have any tech background at all. So I learned some really hard lessons, um, along the way, uh, and also was able to draft off what was happening in the, in, in the world with social media. A lot of people didn't like to use the site at first. They didn't understand why it was important. Sounds silly now. Um, but it was just a little early. But then when it caught on, it, it, it caught on good and we were able to, uh, you know, to build it out and to provide products to our community. So we built the community first and then we started to add products once we had people using it. That's great. I mean, that's awesome lessons there. I think people definitely need to tap in. So what do you do? Like, tell us some of the stuff you're doing today. I mean, I know we'll get into, I guess, talk about the philanthropy first and then I might have a couple other questions off of that. Yeah, yeah, no, ab absolutely. So, you know, I made my first million um, essentially knocking on the doors, literally, of people that were losing their house to foreclosure. And I would, you know, at 20 years old, I would come up with a solution to help them sell their house. And I, I would sit down with people that were 50 years old. And I always wished I could just help them in in a different way, but I was broker than they were. So built the company, sold it, was able to, to donate seven figures into charity. And we started to build out a company called savinghomes.org, where essentially we help single parents um, save homes from either foreclosure or eviction in some really innovative ways. And anything I'm doing now, I just want to do big, impactful things with great people that will live on longer than me. After you've solved the money problem, you start thinking like a legacy, right? Um, so the cool thing about savinghomes.org is you can go there and you can see, hey, there's a single mother of three about to lose their house and you can donate to them. It's kind of like a GoFundMe for affordable housing. Um, and what's great though, is when you donate the money and it will save their home, we provide them um, just counseling and guidance to make sure they don't get taken advantage of by real estate investors. I know all the tricks, trust me. And then um, some of them will need to find a new home. So they do have to eventually sell their home. So when their house does sell, the money comes back to the charity and we can help another family. So every dollar that comes in, like goes out multiple times for multiple generations. So if you donate a hundred bucks, it can help someone today and it can help someone in a hundred years from now, the way we have it set up. So to me, it made a lot of sense for me to put, move my time, influence, and just my network into solving affordable housing. And I wanted to start with people that were losing their house because it's probably the most affordable house they're going to be able to be in. Yeah. And we're just, we're starting with single parents. 
Um, just because I, you know, I couldn't even imagine, you know, I mean, I'm, no. I'm in the 1% of the 1% with one child and a wife and it's still hard, right? Yeah, I couldn't sure. imagine. Um, so yeah, my, my grandmother went through that as well. And, um, anyway, so if you visit savinghomes.org, you can, you can take a look at it. And also just if you want to be part of the, this mission in any way, shape or form, reach out. If you have connections, let us know. The big difference here is when you're doing a nonprofit, everyone wants to help. Like in business, you have to do all this stuff to get introductions and stuff, but everyone wants to help. They just don't know how. And if they happen to have that second or third level connection, I've never seen people more willing than to make connections than when I started this, um, when I started this company. And the cool thing is the way you do anything is the way you do everything, right? Right. At um, the first thing I did for this company is I created a think tank. I went out and I found the most influential, successful real estate investors that are out there, uh, worth everyone worth fifty million plus, and we've all come together uh, to help solve affordable uh, affordable housing. So I wanted to build my group of Dave Miras right at the top of the charity, and uh, the people that volunteer and work with us. You know, it's it's nice because you're you have a big group behind you with a lot of influence. So, so anyway, we just just when this podcast is out, probably open the doors to the um, to the website and the, the platform. But this thing has the ability to um, you know to scale across the nation. We built it like a tech company. It has the echo effect, I call it, of money coming back in. And there's a lot of people that want to donate, even banks. Banks have to give money to people in certain locations and that money goes back to the bank. So it's it's a really cool way. And then um, we're also helping build houses and doing innovative things. Some people just can't afford their house, right? So even if we save it, they can't afford 2000 a month so they can sell a piece of their house. Now their payment's only 1200 a month. So we're doing really cool, innovative things that haven't been done before with a lot of great people. So that's where I'm spending all my... Uh, all my time right now. And I'm really excited about, uh, 2024. Yeah, no, that, that sounds great. I mean, that's, uh, any way you can kind of get back and it's, you know, you've had your success and now you're, you're giving back to the, to the community, which is awesome. And I'm sure like it's single parents now, but obviously it's something that could scale out to helping families in general. Yeah. They, you know, to, to keep going with, you know, what you're working on there. Yeah. Once we perfect it, the whole process, uh, with single parents, then we'll open it up to, you know, to everyone, even people facing, facing evictions. Um, there's a lot of really cool things that, that we're doing there. And um, yeah, definitely visit the website. If this, if you like this at all and you, and you, you don't want to donate, just share the website, yeah. right? Just, just, just get it out there. Just do a little something. I mean, the reason I'm excited about this is, I mean, it's food, water, shelter, right? One of the main things, um, in someone's life is a, the stability of a home. And it, it's really nice to be able to help, uh, help good people. These aren't handouts. This, this, this is a helping hand. Yeah, that, that's great. So uh, this has been awesome. I mean, I, I really, you know, it's a, people that watch and, and follow us. I mean, a, a little bit different, but just so much great information. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I definitely look forward to, to listening back to this. So uh how can people find you? I mean, aside from the, um, you know, what you mentioned, and, and again, we'll put this in the, the uh, notes as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't, other than saving homes, 
you know, I'm not on social media. I, I kind of gave that up. Um, when, after I sold, I just hang out in the mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, you can actually email me. I know that's kind of weird, but my email address is Ross at successcap.com. And, um, what I've done is I can't sell anything anymore in the real estate space for a few years, but I can give it away. So I have my courses, all of my books. Um, I just give it all away. If you email me, um, you can just say, send me free stuff. You don't have to have a conversation. And then I'll just send you an email back with everything. And one of the cool things I have in there is my personal and financial kind of transformation planner. I actually have it right here. And this is exactly what I use to create all my goals and track my progress. So it has personal and financial stuff because they, they tie together. So if you want to plan out the next 12 months of your life, start with this. This is, uh, as an athlete, you're really going to like it. And um, you can go ahead and print it out if you, uh, you're definitely going to want to print it out. But anyway, this is what I've learned over several decades. Uh, it's really the difference between success and failure is being able to articulate the questions in here and create the steps to move to uh, to the next level, whatever that might be for you. Yeah, there, there's the playbook, athletes. You gotta you gotta reach out to Ross and get it. I know I'm I'm gonna reach out. So yeah, uh, well this this has been again very uh, enlightening. Thank you so much. You can find us at alumnidirect.com. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, Instagram, all that. But uh, follow the show. This is something that we want people to go out to our um, YouTube channel for athletes, entrepreneurs, and alumni journey. We're also across all the podcast networks, but I really want to help as many people as I can. I think we can make a positive impact in this space. So uh, Ross, it's been great. Uh, appreciate it all the time. Yeah, it was great being here. Thank you. You're welcome.